we don't we don't know what's going on in the board this meetings around the show. JJ. But I do know, but I really do have a sense that Book of Boba Fett and the this season of Mandalorian were made a little bit messy because of meddling of executive decisions that were that were foisted upon them. And Could I just be. want to say, leave John Favreau and Dave Filoni alone. Let them yeah, do their pretty work. Much. Speaking of my birthday, real quick, because he's a frequent listener of our podcast. Shout out to my older brother, Robin, for the birthday present to me that I am currently wearing. Ooh. My welcome to Otisburg Otisburg. Otisburg. I love it. It is so awesome. So thanks, Robin. Otisburg. He already knows, already, but yeah, I love it. It's just a little bitty place. Otisburg. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> God bless whoever thought of making that T-shirt because that, that was a we used to quote that movie all the time. All the time. You want to see a long arm, Otis? You want to see a very long arm? <laughs> yeah, this is treasured, and I know we have lots to talk about today. Um, and actually, more stuff keeps popping up. This, I suggest we do a quick run through multiple trailers that have all kind of popped up recently. Before we get yeah. talking about Mando, which, of course, I really do want to talk about because yeah. this has been a great season. I mean, Picard has this like weight to it because it's a culmination of all that Trek. Mando, is this is just season three. It just happens to be rocking, and I'm really enjoying it. So we should talk about it. All right. But also, with this, one, one other little uh, thing about James Gunn, because I'm sure that you also get little updates whenever he says stuff on Twitter. But people constantly are like, oh, man, you're going to screw up Superman. Oh, dude. And someone else uh, went at him with, they asked, do you think audiences are experiencing superhero fatigue, superhero movie fatigue? And he said exactly what we say. I mean, it's the same thing. It's not like he reinvented the wheel here. But he said, look, it's not about the genre. It's not about that. It's about the storytelling. He goes, the only things that people are getting tired of is the same story done over and over again. He goes, it's about character and story. They love the characters. And if you treat them well and you do them justice, no one would have superheroes. Uh, you know, it's it's this more cynical by the book, num- by the numbers superhero movies are causing that fatigue. And I agree. I mean, it's not the genre. It's just about the stories being told. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. And even though he's not at Marvel anymore, I still think that's one of the things that Marvel gets right. They are willing, plus they have Disney behind them and they've got their own network. They're willing to say, like, this one is a sitcom. This one's a horror thing. This is a, it's all in the same universe where there are superheroes. You don't mm-hmm. have to just keep telling a good guy smacking bad guy in the face story in the super. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do so love was the smacky stories yeah i i think uh you and i have kind of a good guy smacking bad guy in the face story i think that's kind of what we have and uh, i'm not sure which one i am that, <laughs> i'm probably the bad guy it's all right i'm wearing black right now so are you though i, I am yeah Sun Records. stop making sense right behind you Yes, which uh, totally unrelated news, but they're they're re-releasing it yet again later this year. Well, it's we got like recently. a 4K restoration now, right? Like they yeah. really bumped it up. And apparently they've remixed it. it Jerry, Jerry Harrison and E.T. Thorngren have remixed it yet again. That, you know, this, this VHS release is, was always my favorite version of the movie. We're getting way off topic here, folks. It's okay. We're going to get um, back to trailers in just one second. 
that movie changed my life. And I know. This was, I know how big that is for you. Yeah. And speaking of your brother, probably most of the times I saw this movie at River Oaks Theater, he was there taking the tickets and introducing the film and, and sometimes coming out the dance at the end of the, the movie, too. Robin's a yeah. ham, but also it's one of the best concert films ever made. And it is. It's it's an ideal uh, as far as doing a midnight movie kind of thing where it does encourage that kind of like inclusive. I, I danced at yeah. Stop Making Sense at a midnight movie because it seems like you're there. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say one of the other ones is Sign of the Times. Prince is, uh, and I'm not a huge Prince fan, but as a concert movie, that felt like you're there. And yeah, you're like, yeah, I want to get up. I want to move because this is, I'm front row. And it's yeah. an awesome, awesome concert. I, I've never seen that, but but yeah, it oh, was the same man, for me. Sign of the Times is amazing. I need, yeah, I definitely need to check it out. But I, I saw it, the first time I saw this was at River, River Oaks Theater. And that was with Nathan in the summer of 1985. And then later, uh, it was around December of that same year. They they that's when they started showing it every Friday and Saturday at midnight. River Oaks. Yeah. They did they did for a couple of years straight, uh, starting uh, that month, December nineteen eighty five. That night, the opening night of the Friday Saturday night run of Stop Making Sense, I, was the first time I ever danced in public. Oh, was, absolutely! And of course, this movie is the whole reason I'm a musician now. That's absolutely changed my life. Anyway, this is my favorite version of this movie because they put in two songs that were cut out of the theatrical version, which is Cities and uh, Big Business, Ezembra medley in the middle. Yeah, And I always thought it was better with those two songs. As far as I can tell, they've put them back in the movie now with this new version that's coming out. Anyway, Um, so enough about that. I love them dearly, and that's great. Okay, trailers. Trailers have been released. Many things. Secret Invasion has a longer trailer now for Marvel uh, upcoming series. Blue Beetle just dropped. And what else? Why am I blanking? Barbie. The Barbie trailer just dropped. And it's great. (laughs) No, seriously. It looks great. And yes, into across the Spider-Verse. Oh, goodness gracious me. So, so many trailers about projects I'm actually very excited for. So, out of that bunch, what do you want to talk about first? Spider-Verse, probably? Spider-Verse is, is the one where I just, my jaw almost dropped watching it. I was like, God damn, this is gorgeous. I mean, the first film was, was, was Such stun- a surprise. stunning. But Such this a one, surprise, it, too. It looks like they, they, they're carrying on the same aesthetic, but it looks even better somehow than the first one. Well, they, I mean, they, I mean, obviously, Spider-Verse, they were leaning into the multiverse real hard with the first one. And what I loved about the first one was not just the inclusion of you know it's like oh my god we get a we get the older peter parker guy but we also have miles versus peter parker who dies and we have and we have peter porker i mean and every one of them that shows up spider-man noir all that every character being represented graphically differently because they're all from different universes and you're like oh that's great it's sort of like the rules don't really apply when you're doing multiverse stuff. So this one is expanding at 18 million times. Mm-hmm. And you've got live action Spider-Mans walking around in the background with animated. And they're from every possible iteration. There's like, oh, there's the 60s one where they didn't finish doing all the webs because to animate those was, a you know, so the Bakshi cartoon Spider-Man. It just is insane. And then. I love it, yeah. And then it's just a continuation of Miles' story. I know that the Easter egg 
people like myself, the, the real diehard fans are just like looking in background and going, oh my God, look at that. They have the spider clone who I was talking about, Pete, oh. uh, Ben Riley. <laughs> yeah. he, he's the one that looks like he's in a 90s comic book, but animated. So it looks like an, an illustration. There's a little bit of him in that trailer. And that's the Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley. And I'm like, oh, they even made him look like he did in the 90s comic. So all okay. of this, and we get a great Peter Parker back. Now he's got his daughter, May Day, with him, May Parker. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm just a nerd because she grows up to be Spider-Girl. They have Spider-Woman in this one, only it's an alternate reality Spider-Woman. So she's Jessica Drew, but she's the African-American. I mean, classic Spider-Woman in Marvel is white. So this is an alternate take on her. Mm -hmm. but still, she's pregnant because Spider-Woman got pregnant in the comics uh, and had her child. But the idea of like pregnant Spider-Woman swinging around and and Gwen's back. No, it's a feast. The yeah. one my only problem is not that it's a problem. I'm like, what's the plot? Well, it, I was about to mention that it looks like we're getting a villain in the form of like a an uber spider-man guy who well he is spider-man he's trying to preserve he's almost like the uh the the kang of the spider-verse yeah. it looks like or the, or the one who remains he, <laughs> peter he, parker who remains <laughs> assuming he's peter parker he may not be no peter he's parker. not he's miguel yeah, okay. o'hara oh, okay and he's been around that that's a thing where uh and he showed up in the button uh segment of the previous movie like at, at oh. the credits he's He's pointing at and the whole, you know, old Spider-Man thing where they're all pointing at each other. But the whole thing with him is this is interesting. Now, he's a hero, but they're actually setting him up like he's the antagonist. So I'm like, wow. All right. Well, the one the one thing I caught in, in, in the dialogue of the trailer is that there they seem to be in disagreement over whether or not they should let Ben, Uncle Ben die. Who's Uncle Ben? I don't know who they're talking about, but. He's like, you know, you don't understand if Ben doesn't die, then none of us ever exist. And and Miles is like, well, fuck that. I'm saving him anyway. Of course, it's the, yeah. the Luke Skywalker uh, sentiments. Like, I don't, Which in you know, his case, fates be damned. Not even his Uncle Ben, because he right, didn't right. have an Uncle Ben. He's he Miles Right, right, right. Which is, makes it even more, more of a special Ohara. thing. neither did Miguel O'Hara. But Miguel O'Hara from the future, because he's 2099's Spider-Man, that could be him saying, if Uncle Ben doesn't die for Peter Parker... I can't be Spider-Man in 2099 because there will be no Spider-Man. I could see that because Uncle Ben's death is kind of that crux point that makes Spider-Man. Or at least one. Clearly, that's one of the conflicts in the movie, whether that's the, the, the main one or one of many things that they disagree on. I'm just taking I, this is a movie where I'm taking them on faith simply because they blew me away. I honestly yeah. think uh, Into the Spider-Verse is in my top five superhero movies of all time. Because it was unabashed and it was so full of life. It goes past, oh, it was an awesome Spider-Man movie. It had heart and humor and characterization and it moved you. And the animation as just as a, they just, again, blew it out of the water. And to think that that's Sony, I'm like, wow, what did you guys pay those dudes? Because that's better than, I mean, I liked Incredibles too, but uh, I love Pixar. But I'm sitting there going, 
that's a superhero movie right there. And it is just, it adapted a lot of the 2D graphic styles, but in an animated way. Oh, I'm so excited. So yeah, even if I don't know what the plot is, I don't care. I'm down. Mm, yeah. yeah. I'm very excited about that. Mm. Now, have you seen the new Secret Invasion trailer? Yeah. Yeah, I've watched it a Great. couple of times. The first time I watched it, I was like, okay. And I watched it again today. I was like, yeah, this looks really good. <laughs> it does. And it, it's, um, I mean, there are going to be nerdy comic book fans that are like, that's not Secret Invasion. Uh, did you like my impression of those guys? That's not Secret Invasion. Yeah. Secret yeah. Invasion was a big Marvel crossover that was about the Skrulls having been hiding in plain sight within the superhero community. So it's very much involved with the superhero stuff. This looks like they've really grounded it to where it's Nick Fury and it's political espionage with an interstellar, you know, alien twist. But it it doesn't look like you're going to have other than we see Rhodey in there, but it doesn't look like it's going to be Marvel hero team up. It's just it's just him and Tavis, yeah. who was Which, the uh, right. scroll from Captain Marvel. And what's her face? Uh Oh yeah, what's her face? I like her a lot. Well, it has Olivia Coleman in it, and it also has uh, Emilia Clark from Game of Thrones. Right. Well, I mean his 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 right the his right hand uh, person. Uh, oh yes, Maria Hill. Maria Hill. Sorry, Thank yes, you. Maria Hill. I, I think I think she remains his the only one who. I don't know if she's part of Sword, uh, or if she's just been folded into the CIA because Shield doesn't exist anymore. But I think she's still his sort of um, go-to for, like, insider stuff. She, yeah. She is the one he trusts. Now that Coulson's dead or out in space or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I guess this is really, yeah, it looks like maybe the infiltration is more at an administrative government level than it is superhero level. Yeah, so but across I the entire why world, they did that. Yeah. world leaders apparently are being replaced by scrolls or have been. Because if they turn this into uh, an endgame, you know... Uh, multiverse or Kang, you know, Kang dynasty um, thing. Yeah. The Kang dynasty. Yeah. If it was, they, they already got that going on. So they, they wouldn't, I think this is a, I mean, everything is tied in, but I have a feeling that this won't be involved in that at all. This is just about scrolls on earth yeah. and fury being the one guy who can take him down. I like that. We first see him with the eye patch and then later, I guess he gets, an eye replacement or whatever. So he's walking around a little yeah. bit more discreetly. I will say this about Nick Fury an eye patch is something people notice. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're trying to be kind of under the radar, maybe ditch maybe the eye patch. <laughs> but Amelia Clark apparently plays uh, Talos's daughter, who we did see in, in Captain Marvel. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So she is a scroll uh, and she is Talos's daughter grown up. Um, I'm Olivia Coleman, I think is also a scroll, but, leader of evil scrolls or something because i did like that about captain marvel where they were because traditionally in marvel comics scrolls are bad guys kree are good guys and the kree scroll war has been going on for centuries the movies have tried to make it more gray it's like hey they're bad lots of bad kree and they've done terrible things ronan the accuser of course is a kree but they're like going but um not all the scrolls are bad dudes it's like it's a war and they had talos say look my hands are as bloody as anybody else's. I've done terrible things in this war, but I'm just trying to protect my people. So they've made it much more human or gray and much more less us versus them. 
So I think Talos remains a good scroll, and I think that these are a uh, different faction trying to take over Earth for whatever reason. Yeah. Probably because we have vibranium and right. adamantium. And adamantium now, yeah. Ooh! Ooh. But I'm very excited, and I know it will tie into Armor Wars, which is also with Rhodey. Ah, oh, dude, I'm just so excited. MCU yeah. still gets me going. Do you think it, it sounds like they're at least le- part of the story is maybe leading us to believe that uh, Fury is going to die at the end of this? Because he oh, says, sure, of course. Yeah. One last fight is the he says in the trailer. And I think that's not them saying, let's get rid of the character. I'm sure they would always love to have a Nick Fury around. But I think it is just about the age of the actor and they don't want to replace him. Yeah. And Fury has this great arc. And he has seen S.H.I.E.L.D. destroyed. He's had to go on the run, all this stuff. But he has always been the guy. So I think one last go around, if this is the end of, of uh, Samuel L.'s Nick Fury, that's okay. I mean, I I wonder who picks up the pieces. But I don't know, probably Maria Hill, if they decide right. to reform S.H.I.E.L.D. or something. Or they could bring, yeah, uh, or they could bring over uh, Ross, who is also in it, but he's um, he's not Shield, obviously, he's CIA. Yeah, we know that's coming. Or um, FBI. Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford uh, taking over William Hurt's role. Man, interesting. Yep, and people getting mad because he doesn't have the mustache. <laughs> I'm that way a little bit. I'm that way a little bit. I'm like, okay, so he's General Thunderbolt Ross. Why doesn't he have the mustache? Which does lead me to think they'll do with Red Hulk. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, there, there's been plenty of fan depictions of that already. Oh yeah. my god. I just I'm I'm picturing him in a really mocap good. suit. <laughs> like Harrison Ford at eighty two in a mocap suit going, Oh, Red Hulk smash. <laughs> it is interesting <laughs> that they replaced you know, William Hurt, I think was younger than Harrison when he died. And they've replaced him with an old, even older actor. Well, I mean, like, obviously yeah. they're going for name, and I'm, I'm sure they probably didn't even think he. I bet that was an offer. They're like going, he's not going to yeah. take it. Let's get ask him, ask him, you ask him. We have to ask him, but he's not going to take it. And then he yeah. does, and they're like, oh shit. Oh. <laughs> and then they're very happy, and they do a little dance in the office. Um, they're probably taking bets on it too. <laughs> uh, what what is it on uh, Harrison taking it or not? Oh boy, uh, that's more expensive than I could do. Um, so I'm excited for Secret Invasion. Uh, Blue Beetle, what'd you think? I I had to look it up. I, I at first when I saw it, I was like, because mm, it just looked like Iron Man and Spider Man, you know, basically in one movie. And uh, so I had to look it up. I, I'm not familiar. I knew about Ted Cord a little bit. I didn't yep. know much about uh, Jamie. He or, was or very Amy, 80s. Whatever, however you say his name. I may. Jaime, Jaime. So I was happy to see that that was an actual real version from the comic. They didn't just make him up for the movie. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been around for a he's, while. He's our most current. Um, yeah. So he's our newest, even though he has been around now for 15 years, maybe-ish. Right. A long time. So and he's I, a great character. But you're not wrong. To tell you the truth, Ted Cord. I mean, the original Blue Beetle. Oh, here comes Professor Jones. Mm, put on my little cap. Dunce cap. Uh, <laughs> Dan Garrett was the original Golden Age Blue Beetle. And so eventually, uh, in the 50s, 
uh, early 60s, that character had lasted a good long while, but basically Charlton Comics got the license. They went to Steve Ditko, who had left Marvel. He had created Spider-Man already and Doctor Strange and all that, and then he goes over to Charlton because he was really not into the Marvel thing after a while. And they're like, um, we want you to create a new version of Blue Beetle. And so he kind of stole a lot of his ideas, very Spider-Man ideas, though Ted Cord wasn't a teenager. But it was about taking a mystical hero who had like a mystical blue scarab that gave him strength. And then basically Dicko goes, yeah, none of that shit. Ted Cord is a genius scientist inspired by the mystical hero. So they didn't write Dan Garrett out. He's inspired by him to become a new blue beetle who has a beetle ship. And he's got this sonic gun uh, and a bright light gun. I mean, this, he was like non aggressive weaponry and he quips and he swings like the, cause from the beetle ship, there's like a thing he can swing on. So he's just kind of an athletic guy, no powers. And he's kind of a lighthearted hero. That was in the sixties. And clearly blue beetle Ditko, you look at the design, you're like going, you did just kind of take your Spider-Man and make him blue. God bless you. And so then DC in the eighties buys all the Charlton characters. Now they own them. So now they own Ditko's Blue Beetle. And they introduce him to the DC Universe. He's great. Then he gets paired up with Booster Gold and the Justice League. They become a comedy team. Everyone loves these characters. And then cynically, in the early 2000s, it was a good storyline, but it was grim. Uh, along comes the OMAC thing. And anyway, Maxwell Lord shoots Ted Cord in the head. Kills him. It was very grim. Everyone was very sad. I cried. And at the same time around this time, DC's like, but we got to keep Blue Beetle around. That little amulet, the mystical amulet, was revealed to actually have been an alien artifact that fell in ancient Egypt. And that scarab that Dan Garrett, the original guy, had finds its way to Jaime. Just a kid. And so this is very Spider-Man. He's just this kid in Texas. uh, And Oh, cool. And he's not a nerd like Peter Parker, but he's a skinny guy who's like just a normal guy. And then it attaches itself to him. And it turns out that Dan Garrett never accessed or was able to communicate with it because it actually has a sentience. Uh, Dan Garrett was able to use powers from it, but it really bonds to Jaime and Jaime is like the host for it. So it does stuff like talk to him allows him to translate any languages and it can form stuff that he needs at any time. It's sort of like the green lantern ring and it creates armor, which is all very bug. Like he's got the extra arms. He gets the beetle wings. It's very cool. And it Mm -hmm. is a very, uh, just like with miles Morales, it's very much a family story too, because his family knows his secret and they keep it and they encourage him. He's doing good. It's a loving Mm -hmm. family. They all fight but it's great and it's a good little town kind of story too so i, I did think that was interesting they show that in the trailer that he has his origin moment right in front of his entire family yes. yeah i go he likes me not and something he has to hide from him. and then yeah. just hops on him and i love i think it's his uncle going like it's on your face it's on yeah. your face <laughs> um yeah. i think they're capturing the spirit really well and this also looking at that trailer 
And James Gunn posted the trailer himself. It's like, guys, check out this really awesome, wonderful superhero movie. I think that's totally genuine. Not just him going, please, won't you go see a DC film? But mm-hmm. I think he realized that, <laughs> unlike, sadly, with Shazam 2, which they probably were like, oof, well, release it. We'll see how it does. I think with this one, they're like, it is connected enough, but not that, sure, we can fold it into what James Gunn's doing. Not a mm-hmm. problem. We can keep him around. Do you think, though, because I know that Ted Kord is famous for being a big, you know, best buddies with, with Booster Gold. And I know that but that's one of the main things he announced. We've got Booster Gold coming. Yeah. Do you think there, because I'm assuming in this this story that Ted Kord is dead. We Because we, we see her as his sister, um, Susan Sarandon, playing his, his older sister. Yeah. Right? So I'm assuming she said that belongs to me, meaning I guess her brother has died. Well, they also show the bug ship. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. In the trailer with his family in it. Okay. Um, So I assume that there, I I love that even if it's just in the background and Susan Sarandon, man, that's pretty awesome get, but I assume that they're acknowledging it's like, yeah, no cord was around. He was, he was blue beetle before, but this is a thing. And maybe I think what she's talking about that belongs to me. I I think Ted Cord had the scarab that Dan Garrett had, and mm-hmm. he just didn't use it because he's a science guy and he didn't feel like it chose him or something. But I think he kept it. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that it ends up with Jaime, however they're going to work it, she's basically saying, give me back that scarab, even though my brother didn't use it. So right. um, Will Blue... I mean, Booster Gold, will they have him buddy-buddy with Jaime? I don't know. Or will it be a flashback? Or will they even bring in Blue Beetle at all? I don't know. Right. I mean, that's my question. It's like, it's it's clear with these movies that are coming out. We've got, you know, we found out pretty quickly that that uh, um, Black Adam was not going to last. Yeah. And now Shazam looks like that franchise is dead. And uh, I just sleeping. Yeah. Just sleeping chair. Well, I mean, they've, they've got the room. Every time one of these movies comes out that was already planned and it bombs, it's like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's James, basically gun goes, James goes, okay, back great. to the drawing board. Time for you know. our Captain yeah, Marvel movie. Right. That's right. I said Captain Marvel. Boom. So I, I'm imagining the possibility is hanging out there right now that that uh, this version of Blue Beetle, the Jaime Reyes, may be carried over into the new DCU. If the movie's good, I'm all for it. And yeah. I like that young actor a lot. I watched all. Yeah, he's of great. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love. Yeah, uh, that show. I, I I really love the first two or three seasons or so, but after that, it just started kind of going in circles. It's like, oh, now they hate each other again. Like, come that on. That was the structure. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, I was so surprised at how well it worked. How yeah. well that show. I was like, yeah. there's really no reason there should have ever been more than a season of Cobra Kai, much less that it existed. <laughs> and I'm like, then that's really saying something. And I was like, it's all just teen soap opera with karate in it. And I'm like, I, I'm ready for that. And I'm happy. And every time they bring someone else back, I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it very done very well at the same. Yeah. I, you know, the actor who played the one where they're, they're, re- they're revisiting uh, the sequel. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> well, the, I think it was the last one that. Uh, you mean um, Karate Kid Three when they go and he goes back to Japan? He goes to Japan, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I don't know who that actor is who comes back and you think he's going to be a bad guy at first, but then he yeah. turns out to be his, his best buddy, and it's it like, was awesome. 
that whole season was great. I thought. And yeah. also when they, uh, what was his name? Is his name Ken Barnes? Like karate's bad boy. Uh, <laughs> that guy. And if you had watched those movies, you're like, are they going to bring him back? And when they do, he's just running a furniture store. <laughs> and it's oh. another thing. Like we have to face off. He's like going, I'm actually pretty happy, dude. I <laughs> no real reason to have a fight. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Anyway, Blue Beetle anticipating. And I, again, you probably haven't watched it. Barbie does look good. I didn't. See, I, didn't see it, it. I know, but it looks very funny. And Ryan, I have no idea as Ken. Well, it's written and directed by Greta Gerwig, who she gets it. And uh, I, and again, I'm starting to think that Margot Robbie can do anything. She's so ah. perfect in this as well, and it that's sort of the whole joke. And they're all acting very stylized because they are living doll people. <laughs> At one point in the trailer, Ken goes. So I was thinking maybe I could stay over tonight, you know, because we're boyfriend and girlfriend. And she just goes to do what? <laughs> and, then he, and, then, and then he goes, I'm not really sure. <laughs> it looks okay. like it's going to be great. Uh, and Super Mario Brothers. That's probably when I'll have to wait on, even though it does look good. People are forgiving Chris Pratt for not being. um it's a me, a Mario. Not doing the voice, but uh, whatever. So, was that all for the trailers? I may have missed one. Okay, I think so. Uh, uh, let's talk about Mandalorian. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I do have to say, I, I am having to accept the fact that the show has changed quite a bit from its from its original thrust. You know, the first two seasons, this has been talked a lot about, talked about a lot, and some of the videos I've been seeing people talking about the show but the first two seasons were had very clear directives you know the first one he's protecting the child second season he's trying to get the child to a jedi and protecting the child still obviously so there were very clear mission directives in the first two seasons this one is so far been kind of a wait and see kind of thing there's some stuff some stuff they took care of and but they're that's still the, the actual direction that the the season is going is still unfolding right now. I think think. it's pretty clear what the thrust to use your naughty, naughty wordage, uh, (laughs) whatever that means of this season is, is clearly about the return of the Mandalorians. It's all about the unification of a very spread out diasporous, you know, disconnected people coming back together and finding a new the way. But I do respect that it is kind of, I think what's throwing people is that they feel confident enough to go off on these tangents and say, we also want you to see the wider world or universe. So returning, I really liked the episode, the convert that was about the, clone doctor guy and his uh being oh thank god i'm no longer part of the empire i hated what they were making me do but i'm also really bored now that i'm you know reintegrated into the new republic and then the other the uh woman who was the badass and now she's like going you'll love it here but secretly She's doing something. And I do think they're setting up, obviously, 
uh, Moff Gideon. Why wouldn't you want to bring back a, an actor that good and possibly Thrawn? Yeah, that that has been highly speculated because we we know that he was already mentioned uh, when Ahsoka was on last season. Yeah, because so, she's looking for him. And I I think the whole cloning thing is also tied in with that. That maybe his research that particular they're setting that up. Maybe they did the mind zap on him because they don't want him to recognize his own tech that it's already been used. Maybe that's how we got Thrawn. Or is this even them trying to lay seeds to go, this is the Palpatine plot that we really don't want to deal with that happens in the sequels, but um, this is where that begins. We're going to have to kind of play with that. Yeah, they've already been, they were hinting at that the last season too, when they, that there's that, uh, one of my favorite episodes actually, where they, um, Grief Karga and Mando, um, they go and uh, infiltrate that, that, base that's on mm-hmm. on navarro mm-hmm. and they, they find this cloning lab that has yep. stuff in it that looks kind of like prototype uh snokes a little bit sort of yeah it, it just seemed like they were headed they're already hinting in that but um yeah i kind of my, my kind of my theory with that right now is that we know that there was talk you know chatter amongst the the new republic agent oh they chat officers that they didn't know what happened to um to moff gideon there was rumors yeah. that he had did, gone disappearing on his way to trial, but they weren't really sure. Then, of course, we find out at the end of this last episode last week. We're at his prison people watching this or are ahead of us. We haven't seen this week's episode yet, which is coming yeah. out tonight. Come, coming out tonight. So he was hijacked saw, out of his prison transport. And there's evidence Just of Mandalorians like what happened there. with Trump today. Yeah. <laughs> there's evidence of Mandalorians uh, having had something to do with that. And we, we, uh, I think it's in the first or second episode. Bo-Katan, maybe the first one. Bo-Katan mentions because uh, Mando goes to visit visit her to see if she can he can enlist her help or advice. Or whatever. Oh, her sitting in just the empty you yeah, know, palace, the hallway. That's yeah. pretty great. I don't care like, about anything anymore. Yeah, I was like, look at my people. Oh, I'm sorry, there aren't any. <laughs> Listen um, to this. Echo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Five minutes of that. That would have been great. The extended version, the extended Bo-Katan, cut. Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yes, yes. So I had to go back and watch that episode because I wanted to. You didn't to have to. Re- re- okay, it's true. I, but I, I wanted to make refresh. Sure you know, you have agency and choice. <laughs> I wanted to refresh my memory on the dialogue there because I was like, well, "What? What happened to the the ships?" Because I was I couldn't remember if she'd said something about that, and she does briefly because he asked her, "What happened to the stolen fleet?" He says, oh, they're gone, wandering the galaxy as mercenaries. Yeah. So that's what's happened, is that all of her, the Mandalorians who are following her, abandon her, I guess, on her Well, planet. also, Mandalore itself was destroyed. I, I think the, the whole point here is that, yeah, her faith has been rocked. She, she what's the point? She had this vision. Uh, and I do like the way they play her, and, and including in the animated series, of course, same actor, great but um i like the way they play her as being uh she is both like she comes across as i am a genuine lover of my people who wants to bring them together but there's also that hint of well is she kind of power hungry um and so therefore the kind of quasi spiritual 
thing. She would not have put that helmet on to go into the waters unless Mando was drowning. And, you know, and so she went in to save him. Uh, she was not on a quest, but she sees their the Mythosaur, which is, of course, mm-hmm. one of the cheesiest names in all of Star Wars, showing where it, it was originated. I like the idea that the Mandalore is, you know, beast is actually called the what if a thing? <laughs> right. <laughs> no one's ever seen me before, Soros. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Basically, it's a Mr. Snuffleupagus. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That'd be great. She dives in and there's this huge floating Muppet. Mr. Snuffleupagus. Like, there it is. Which I guess if you did just like dissolve Mr. Snuffleupagus down, maybe the skull would look like that myth. Anyway. So, uh, but she sees that and she comes out and so she is, and then of course, uh, our quasi head of the wandering tribe, the, the lady, uh, Smith, uh, does she have a name? I know they've given her name. Just the armorer. That's the only the armorer. That's all she's called. Yeah. And I will say again, good helmet acting. Like, yeah, because the thing is, we never see people's faces, and Pedro Pascal is mainly tasked with being like the badass hero who's occasionally worried about Grogu. But there's a lot of real delicate stuff that the armorer actress does, and I will say, Katie Sackoff, where you're like, "Wow, I don't even need to see their faces. I, I I'm, I know exactly what they're doing, what they yeah. feel." Which is um, amazing. Yeah. Man. So her saying like. Hey, if you don't take your helmet off, you're back in. You're in the fold, yo. And then the whole thing at the end of it, her going, take your helmet off. Because you're going to be a symbol of bringing both worlds together. Mm-hmm. Oh, So that's the thrust. It's just they do have lots of little side avenues. Yeah, yeah. And it's just taking a while to, to get around. I kind of figured. I mean, I, I thought that that would be the thing at the end of last season. Well, too. Like, what's really, what's they're left? Like, they're like, we have to carve out a couple minutes for Tim Meadows to come in. but i loved him i mean i I was totally on board with it because he wasn't like comedy character wasn't like amy sedaris where they're like don't you get it it's a comedy character yeah yeah and we did see her briefly we have seen her briefly this season i don't hate her character it's just she wasn't bad that this time you know yeah there weren't any any jawa sex jokes this time thank god jawa sex jokes wasn't that your first album that you put out (laughs) your solo album yeah it's out of print (laughs) yeah but i i um yeah where can they go from here i think this continues to be and favreau's written i think almost all the episodes this season maybe all of them i think you're right he is the guy and he is the guy i mean filoni is his partner but john favreau as a kid never got over how awesome boba fett the action figure was and so it's it's great. His focus was all on I need more. I need to know their mythology. I need to know their culture. And so this show went from being Lone Wolf and Cub, the one Mandalorian walking around the great universe with this uh charge, his little baby pal. Um, and then it was gradually like, oh, oh, I ran into some other Mandalorians. And by now it's like, oh, this is them reuniting and they are the baddest asses of the universe. And well, and this brings me to there. There are two clunky things about the season that bug me. But I'm, I'm I'm OK with it. Obviously, I no. still I still really enjoy the show. I, I look can forward see the to the episode. So. What, what is it? 
Well, the first thing is we've talked about this before that I was really confused and bewildered and befuddled and <laughs> Other somewhat B-word? annoyed by the way the book of Boba Fett unfolded. I yeah, thought it no. started started so strong. Yeah. Those first two episodes, especially the second one, especially was the whole dancing with wolves backstory. It was, it was great. And it, it, was. it was a continuation of what Favreau was doing and Filoni were doing really great with is, is delving deeper into characters who were more like set dressing in the original trilogy, great yeah. set dressing, but you know, the Jawas and the sand people, Yeah, we got, to, we got to go way deep into both of their cultures and yeah. the, the first two seasons of, of the show. Love that. But in Boba Fett, it's we, we yeah that's how Boba Fett started off as we go even deeper into sand people uh into to the Tuscan Raider culture and then it just it just seemed like they I don't know what happened to that show but the thing this is the thing that 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 has left me a little bit uh disappointed now with word and about I'm I've that's I just had the thing is that both both these things that are, that are clunky to me I just I've accepted I have to just deal with it because mm-hmm. it's not going to change one of them is that they they brought back Grogu so quickly Mm-hmm. And they did it in a completely different show. <laughs> That's true. Not even in the Mandalorian show. So they've they're, they've kind of awkwardly had to deal with this because not everybody watched uh, Book of Boba Fett, so they may be confused and probably were confused at the beginning of this when when Grogu was already back. So and I I, I I accept the fact that he was probably going to come back anyway at some point. I can't help but think that this was uh, an executive decision that was that mm-hmm. was uh, made maybe in committee or something like, look, we've got to get Grogu back and we've got, he's got to be back in season three, figure it out. So they crammed him into Boba Fett. Two really great episodes of the Mandalorian, yeah, by the way. It's very true. But Two epi- excellent Mandalorian episodes in That should have happened at the beginning of the season or at least in the middle of it or something. Because mm. there's so many episodes now where Grogu is, is just set dressing. He's just there going, uh-huh. <laughs> But I will say he that really, there's only two episodes this season so far where he's actually had something to do. There's the training, true. the paintball training scene. Yes. Yeah. And where he rescues uh, Mando by traveling back to, mm-hmm. uh, to Bogotan, which was cool. But uh, so I, I'm a little bit annoyed by that, but I'm, I'm like, okay, this is the way it is. They, they're doing the best they can under the situation. <laughs> we, we never, we never know why they did it that way. But the other thing is, and this is just, goes into what we're talking earlier about how they have to play into the the events of the sequels which we're not we we weren't we weren't i don't think either of us were fond of the way that's wrapped up nope um and many things in that those i don't have a blazing hatred and there are scenes that i quite like but it's it didn't work for me what what annoys me is that they have to play into that now and you can see them setting up the cloning thing and and the the, the first you know the, the weakness of the the new republic yeah making way for the first order to assert yeah. themselves later that's what annoys me is that there's so many things yeah being being us you and i being children of the original trilogy which ended on such a high note you know everything's yeah. resolved we're gonna looking forward to this bright future and now we know that all that could all of it goes to shit. Well, I'd say one of the main problems with Star Wars in general, the whole big saga, is that um, it should be fairy tale esque, as in we're talking about eras. But when you make it a generational story where it's father to son to protege, essentially, we're dealing with three generations. So the Empire lasted about 20 years. An empire lasting 20 years. That's like, okay. And I remember like in the first Star Wars and then Empire, when I started really thinking about all that story, 
the first movie you can take when you see it for the first time, you can take it as just a, a thing. And it's like, Oh, you don't start building it on. We were there obviously when a sequel came around we're like, what? There's more great. But then you start thinking about it. And to me, empire, you start thinking about, Oh, evil is it's been dark for so long. And finally someone comes to bring the light. You're like going, well, they didn't have to wait that long. And then you're exactly right. The new Republic, that note of hope. And apparently that goes to shit after about 20, 25 years. And you're like, wow, man. And all we've seen of it, like Carson Teva, uh, really the only new Republic uh, officer we've gotten to know in, in this, in this new timeline or the new, this new story. He's really like the only one who who has any kind of sense. Like every everybody else, including Tim Meadows' character, is just bureaucratic buffoonery, and they well, seem I to be. Well, I think a little of that is necessary because it it does fill it out. Because it's like, great, you guys won. What do we do now? You're going to have to have infrastructure. You're going to have to have bureaucrats and politicians. So it can't just be Princess Leia going. Everybody love each other. Good night, folks. Yeah, and it's just, and it makes it does make sense that it would be the way it is, but it's just at the same time it's like there's so much of the original trilogy is just like well, but we don't yeah we're we're moving on from that now it's like but there's you know so much of it has been corrupted now like Luke's Luke's new Jedi Order destroyed, uh, <laughs> and then he dies on an island that he never leaves after he goes there yeah uh, the New Republic completely falls apart uh, their their home planet three of their major planets whatever it is get 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 destroyed we never even get to see them that's not true you see a bunch of people on a balcony (laughs) yeah like going hey what's that oh dead and then and then palpatine who who was killed you know in epic fashion at the end of return of the jedi Uh, no he comes back no problem well that's comics i mean i know that this isn't a comic book but it's very much like that just like darth maul got chopped in half and then the animated series are like Look at him now. He's a spidery cyborg. He's back. Yeah. Like, just, oh, okay. And I know that this is not John Favreau's fault. It's not Dave Filoni's no. fault. Uh, not even George Lucas's fault. He had nothing to do with these decisions. Something so, they probably should have done. And I, I, I will say this. Is maybe, like, did you ever read Star Wars Legacy from Dark Horse Comics? No. This is pre the sequels. Dark Horse had the comics license for Star Wars for a long time, like right twenty plus years. I do have some of those comics, yeah. And Star Wars Legacy was it was set decades after the classic middle trilogy, uh, so it didn't have it. Ray didn't exist. There was none of that in, in a thought, and it was it was a Skywalker. He was a descendant. But he's a lot more like Han Solo. He's clearly got Jedi potential, but he doesn't give a shit about that. And he's kind of a rogue and all this stuff. And it was free of all that stuff. And the whole idea of it was him becoming more of a hero over time. I do think that it was a mistake with the sequel trilogy to make it the next generation. I think they should have let our classic heroes be spoken of as legendary and move past like they're already dead. Maybe Luke does show up as a force ghost at some point to whoever is the new, you know, hero. Mm. But I think you're right. 
to go wait, go even further into the future. Yeah, let the new republic have been a success, and maybe it starts to decline. I always say the same thing about Starfleet. I think Starfleet, if you move in the future, you get to show it start to decline, and then people are taking advantage of that. Or um, maybe it spread itself so thin, like ancient Rome, that the outskirts of it are incredibly corrupt. You know that kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, do something like that where. Where I I agree. I would love if Han and and Luke and Leia's big heroic thing brought about generations of peace instead of like, well, you got a few years. Mm-hmm. Hope you enjoyed it, everybody. Yeah. Um, and that way you also could have not burdened the classic cast, which, of course, as nerds, am I excited to see old Han with Chewie show up on the, yeah, on the Falcon? Yeah. But I think putting so much weight on that nostalgia was a mistake. It ought to be like, they were great, and they're in a hall of heroes, and there they are. They were great, and I live by their example or whatever, and have Luke do a token, I am a ghost, or Leia, force ghost. How you doing? Give Carrie a little bit of money, and she does a little appearance, but not have her character go out and die and not have Han get killed by his son and all that stuff. Which I gotta say, that's that's good storytelling, if nothing that, else, because it's yeah, grim, that, it has a huge impact. Right. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's that is something that Filoni and Favreau have to deal with. Is that yeah. no matter how much cool stuff they do, we know that whatever Mando and Bo Katan get up to will have no impact right. on the next part of the saga. And that every time that, that we see the New Republic in this series, it kind of reminds me of that. It's like, oh, do we have to be reminded of this? You know, just I want to see this story and not have to think about all this other shit that uh, this is leading to. Yeah. But can I do it? Unless they're actually going to be brave enough to retcon, which uh, there was some hope that they might do that with Mandalorian. There was, there was some talk but, about just s- scrapping. Mm-hmm. Which that sounds horrible because of all the work that went into it, but just saying, nope, that was a possible future. But here's the real one, right? And thank you for playing Daisy Ridley and you know John Boyega, and thank you everybody for showing up. But we were moving on, and you guys didn't even exist. And they could still do that, but they won't. They could do time travel, which is the cheesiest thing ever, and. Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars has never done time travel. Uh, I mean, well, outside we, of probably the animated stuff, right? We were talking about which is canon. Uh, the Rebels. It happened on the Rebels series. That that there was a big theory that 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 could. Dude, weren't you excited to see that would make this possible? Zeb in in live. The, Dude, that yeah. was pretty great. And I'm I'm absolutely positive we're going to see him again. If uh, oh yeah, he's going to be in Ahsoka. Apparently well, yeah. a lot well, definitely of the, that. I mean, uh, apparently, you know, uh, you're going to have a lot of those characters in the soap mm-hmm. as human, yeah. like live action. Cool. Well, obviously, obviously he's going to be on the Ahsoka show for sure, but I would not be surprised if we see him again on this season of the Mandalorian too. That would they, be they clearly put a lot of work into him. He looked so good. He looked so good. It was just like, well, that's how you translate into like, yeah. and I, I thought the same thing when they brought in, Oh, why am I blanking? Uh, season two, they brought in the bounty hunter guy, like the the western looking dude with the big hat. Oh yeah, I can't remember um, his name. The Clint Eastwood guy. Yeah, damn. Uh, it. With the same 
voice actor, but yeah, he looked exactly like the cartoon. They're like, nope, and there he is. And I'm like, oh, and I got no problem Cad with Bane. Rosario Cad Dawson. Bane, yeah. Cad Bane, thank you. And I have no problem with Rosario Dawson as a soap. Oh, no. She's, I have no problem. She's with fantastic. It. I have yeah. no problem. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> what else is there to say? Oh, that, that was my theory. What I was, I was leading to earlier, my, my current theory is that um, the, the, the Mandalorians who split off from Bogotan, yeah, they are the ones who, who freed Moff Gideon. Mm. For what purpose, we don't know. You would think that they would want to get him so they could exact their own revenge on him because of what he did to Mandalore. Yeah. Right? So they, he, he could be in their custody. But it's also possible maybe that those Mandalorians... Group. I mean, they're basically talking about all... So I, I can't see that. But a pocket, a couple, right. maybe well, whoever. But yeah, I think it's possible that maybe they're acting alone. And for some reason, either they're working with Moff Gideon or they're holding him for their own purposes, or they're actually working with Thrawn. Like Thrawn has, has oh. as mercenaries has hired them to go get uh, Moff Gideon. I'd say it's a little late in the season to suddenly make Thrawn a big bad, but if they do, I'm not going to be upset about it. Yeah. I will say this. I, uh, I'm enjoying it. I, I texted Jerry. Cause of course, we watch the episodes and go, what'd you think? A good impression. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, Andor was amazing. Andor had depth and grit and it had gray shades and very well realized. And I was like going, and then Mandalore, the Mandalorian gives me all the pew pew. And I got no problem with that. It is similar to the, the Marvel thing. I'm like, I, think there's room in the star wars galaxy for all kinds of stories and i love andor it is a real great achievement all the way around um and then i watch the mandalorian like the most recent episode and i'm just like giddy uh i think it's a little easy the way they brought down that pirate <laughs> pirate ship and i was like yeah i was like I'll- why did he call everybody when all it really took was a couple of his pals like yeah just bring in that one Bo-Katan ship and bring in your your fighter and you take down the whole thing yeah but it was still awesome you got dog fights you got the was, the really cool pirate ship and i love the design of the pirate cartoony as fuck but that's a star wars thing i'm like yeah i was kind of glad when those, those characters got killed because uh, I, the pirates I, were kind of annoying to me I, well, the, whole, the whole idea of pirates in star wars is, is an old uh yeah. eu thing that's the extended universe thing but I don't remember them being portrayed as our pirates before. And that was bugging the hell out of me, especially that first episode. With yeah. That one character, Vane, I think he's called, uh, the Nikto uh, guy. Yeah. He chases after, after he gets chased away by grief and Mando in the Navarro capital city, he, he attacks, tries to attack him in a ship after that. He says, a vast Mandalorian. He, <laughs> like, he, he did say that. and when he did that they also played like a little pipe tune and then uh i thought the uh, the parrot on his shoulder was a bit distracting (laughs) it was just it just went a little bit too far in the cartoony direction but um but but i'm having (laughs) but they're dead now (laughs) i have fun with these episodes and i'm actually kind of enjoying the fact that this season it does have some weight to it, but at the same time, it feels adventure based and I'm kind of just enjoying that. Mm-hmm. I do agree. They need to think of something 
new for Grogu because the mystery of Grogu is kind of gone. Right. Uh, and that was what we were following for a long time. I so, really don't think he was supposed to be in the season originally, at least not to this extent. Probably not. I, I think maybe the original idea was that we'd keep cutting back to him on, with Luke, you know, every other episode well, or something. Except for basically they had to come out and say, guys, he was gone for years. It's like just because this is season three right. doesn't it was like mean two years time didn't pass. Right. You know, right. it's like, yeah, you guys didn't wait around that long, but he was with Luke for a good long while. Yeah, this reminds me of one thing. That another thing that a little detail that bugged me about the way he came back in Book of Boba Fett when I, I got I like the scene, you know, the, the 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 decision that Luke lays before him is like, look, yeah. I'm going to try to avoid what happened to him with my dad. What do I'm you not, want? Yeah, you know, what do you, you know, want? I'm not forcing letting him in choose. But he he told Mando when he took Grogu at the end of season two, I will I will protect this child's life with my life. You know, I will. You know. So when, when Kroger makes his decisions, like, no, nah, I want to go back to my dad. He sends him. He doesn't even take him back personally. He puts him on. Yeah. <laughs> he puts him in his X-Wing and has R2 taken back. Yeah. He's like, seemed, seemed like it really. And I, I know why they did that. Yeah. Hey, Grogu, <laughs> I got no time for you. Yeah. And I know that. I've got all these other students. And he points over. There's an empty field. <laughs> I yeah. have all these other students. <laughs> no, he had one student. Clearly, I know why they did that, because they'd already spent all this money putting him into those scenes that they made, which seems like they went way further than they needed to with those scenes. That second episode. Uh, Man, but I appreciate episode. the effort. It, it was, was. Oh, it looked. Oh, God, it was wonderful. I was just standing there watching that episode. I was just slapped just the whole time. I'm just sitting there next to oh each other, and I'm like, wow, one's a puppet. Well, actually, that probably wasn't right. even a puppet. Two CGA people just sitting there having a convo. Great. But also, if Luke had and brought him, him back in the midst, if Luke had brought him back in the midst of that battle on and on Tatooine, that would have been a very cool. It would have been great, but that would have been more money than I guess they were willing to spend on, in that battle. So instead, they, they had, had to rancor. save money to come up with yeah. those cool candy-colored street bikes. So yeah. But they kind of portrayed. They kind of made Luke look a little bit like a dick. <laughs> I mean, R two. I, I guess actually he, didn't he trusted R two. But you can always trust R two because yeah. he is the most important droid in the entire history of the universe. But R two is not a superhero. You know, he something still going to happen. Take that back. Him. You anyway. take that back. <laughs> Jesus, I'm not going to hit you dump on R two. There, there are ways to 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 reason around it. You could say that he saw through the force that he would be okay, or you know, I don't know. But, and no one's following. At this point, you're free to go back and forth in an X-Wing all day long. No one cares. It's What are you talking at, about, just the show? The no, way, at how, that point in the storyline, it's like, who was going to be tracking that X-Wing? Nobody. He was safe. Grogu was safe. Yeah. Also, he had his little chainmail shirt. <laughs> yeah, so... What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? And now he's got a Baskar, I don't know, frontist piece thing. It looks like it's too heavy for him to carry. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way they portray it. over. Like, boom. Eh, like, eh. like, how does, I remember, it's not really clear what he's thinking. <laughs> and a lot of these scenes, it's just like. If he eh. spent two years with Luke just being an adorable baby Yoda, I'm like, what kind of train? I mean, he seems to understand pretty much everything. But I mean, I'm sure Luke was like going, you just going to go gaga? Is that basically it? I'm just going to hang out with you while you go goo. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Stop eating frogs. Can we get back to the Jedi shit? (laughs) So I I hope that they have 
more stuff for him to do later this season. Cause I did like the, the episode where he has to take charge and, and race through the cave to, to rescue. Yeah. And uh, it was cool. And I, I want to see more of that of him taking the initiative, but obviously You're not that's gonna not going to be happy until he gets his own lightsaber. No, I don't really care about that. Oh, are you kidding me? I mean, that, well, he did have one briefly, right? He had one, he had a little one, right? He had a little training saber, didn't he? Or maybe did just, Oh no, that's right. He rejected it. He he was offered one. Oh oh yeah. Luke offered him. Here's here's a, here's a really cool lightsaber. Man, I need to go back and rewatch. All I'm yeah. saying is, uh, and and we can uh, wrap it up on that. Season three, awesome. I know you've got your nitpicks, but you're enjoying <laughs> it. Come on. I wouldn't use that word. But you wouldn't yeah, use I am, I am very, I'm very much enjoying it. Man, I think it you're just be so awesome. cynical. You're so cynical. <laughs> and Katie Sackhoff, Bo-Katan, all yeah. day long. That is probably my favorite thing about the show right now is what's happening with her character. Yeah, it's great. And I like that Favreau's like, can I still be chunky uh, Mandalorian who's got a problem with everything? Yes, you can. <laughs> because, A, you wrote the episode. I would do totally the same thing. I'd be writing myself in as like, not the lead, but I'm going to be able to wear my own suit of armor. I'm going to get to be a Mandalorian. And yeah, he's an important character at this point. I thought it was kind of funny too, that at the end of that, that last episode, when they, they defeat the pirates and, you know, Mando, Mando presents the idea is like, Hey, look, we could go live in Navarro. And like, nobody gives them any resistance really. Cause they're like, yeah, this place sucks. <laughs> I gotta be <laughs> honest. I'm in- a little tired of the cave. Yeah, they, they, I was meant to make a joke about that earlier that they've really fallen on hard times. They're holed up in a cave and in the land of the lost. <laughs> <laughs> Marshall, Will, and Holly, and a whole yeah. shitload of Mandalorians. <laughs> um, I I liked the. <laughs> this was funny, and this was just budgetary. This most recent episode, uh, that capital city gets you know the pirates come in and that was pretty drastic. They're blowing people up and stuff. And you've got uh Krieg going like, come with me people of the capital city, whatever it's called. And I'm like, so 30 people, 30 people. Yeah, that's like, right. It's like, was, you're, uh, you're, um, you're a big president of 30 people. That was, I think that that scene was a clear sign that they just didn't have the money or the budget to, like, I know what you, they could have used CGI to make that crowd bigger, you know, like like Moses leading his people mm-hmm. through the desert or something. Like, but. Come on, you're all the survivors. No one was even crying. I'm like, I think about all of them have at least two yeah. or three relatives who just got blown up. It's, and everyone's it like, like, yay, Craig. We're with like you. Somebody like being back. In, this is something that I don't think happens anymore. People calling in fake bomb threats to school and then you'd be <laughs> no, sadly, stand outside for an hour while they, yeah. the cops came. <laughs> That's what it was Actually, like. Actually, that's what it was like, out. except for my high school graduating class was three times as big as what right. was hanging out with Krieg. I'm like, oh, right. come that's on, true. man. Uh, but <laughs> I still just kind of going. Really? I still love Carl Weathers being a vital part of it, and his characters yeah. had a good arc. Uh, and he and directed that. Like, well, I forget which episode he, it was. he did the one before. Yeah, yeah, which was good. It's, it was yeah. great. Yeah. Again, I'm really enjoying it mainly because it's not as heavy as Andor. And that may just be my frame of mind. I'm like, dog fights. Yeah. 
and both episodes, the one that Carl Weathers did and then this one, uh, most recent one, I was like going, oh, I forgot how much I missed just the roar of those fucking ships and going pew pew. It's good stuff. It is. And I just wish that um, I hope maybe hope maybe from here forward, there's talk now. I don't and I'm I hate to blame Kathleen Kennedy here because we we don't we don't know what's going on in the board. This meetings is not around jump the show. on JJ. But I do know. But I really do have a sense that Book of Boba Fett and the this season of Mandalorian were made a little bit messy because of meddling of executive decisions that were that were foisted upon them. And Could I just be. want to say, leave John Favreau and Dave Filoni alone. Let them yeah, do their work. Much. Leave them alone. So I will say please. that even if you took that intrusive storyline, which of course I loved, but if you took the Mandalorian and Grogu and Ahsoka and Luke stuff out of Book of Boba Fett, you still had story problems. The problem, yep. a lot of it had to do with what we, what we thought we were going to get. It seemed very rushed after that point. It's like, it was great up until the Mandalorian. And then it was like, well, in my <laughs> mind, what they set up and you had that great tease of him sitting on the throne in Jabba's palace. I've said this before. The thing is you, you're thinking this is going to be a badass, like mob store. And it, turns into i mean a pet rancor and all i mean there were things i i certainly did like and uh that one badass wookie dude there's all kinds of stuff that was good that they didn't do enough with that That they didn't do enough with but i also wanted it to be darker i'm sorry mr rodriguez who i really do enjoy a lot of his stuff um but the tone wasn't what i thought we were going to have totally off yeah and i wanted boba fett to sure he's leaning now towards he's redeeming himself becoming kind of a hero and leader sort of but i didn't want it to be this complete sort of turnaround of like i learned some stuff from the sand people and uh boy i sure hope they like me i sure hope the people Mos Eisley think i'm okay i'm like no i want you to come in and crush uh, the you know whatever the what are they named the the Black Suns. I'm trying to remember all the names of like criminal organizations in yeah, the Star Wars yeah. universe. The Pikes, the Pike. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I wanted yeah, it to be sort of like that stuff where it was going to be. I don't want necessarily mm-hmm. ultra violence. I just didn't want it to be as candy colored and cute. I was like, no, don't give me that with my Boba Fett. Save yeah. that for Mando. Save that for the animated series. But have Boba Fett being like, you fucked with the wrong guy. Two two things I think it would have made that story a lot better, and I was really surprised they didn't do this because there was scenes. even lines. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. The, there there were lines of dialogue that seemed to hint at this. Like he mentions that double. He mentions he refers to um, uh, Bib Fortuna as double crossing bastard yeah. or whatever. Yeah. What did he do? We don't know. I could I could think of a lot of things he did because I thought it would be, would have been really cool if we found out that it was Bib like spiked Boba's drink or something when they were on the on oh. the uh, on the. Uh, on Jabba's uh on his uh whatever they called it barge the yeah the sail barge. barge that maybe that was why Boba wound up fuck you know bumbling oh, no! and falling into the I'm in a know. Sarlacc pit because we knew we don't even see how Bib got off the barge they didn't even show that I thought for sure they would show a little flashback to that scene to see how he got out of there I don't think Which obviously he did because he was there yeah and it blew so, the hell up but maybe he just went 
I mean, but they were only 15 feet over the sand. It so was like, woo! If, if they did, weren't obligated to cram the Mandalorian into that season, they could have. This would be really cool if they did some flashbacks back to the re- events of Return of the Jedi. So you can see exactly what the beef was that Boba had with Bib. Why he, he set up the fact that he wanted to go back and take over Jabba's throne. Mm. That would have been really neat. Yeah. But just have a, maybe one flashback episode to that, the events of that day. And then go forward. That wouldn't but, have been expensive. No, yeah. I want to go back to uh, Jedi and see some crazy stuff. <laughs> Jedi had problems. No. The thing with all these, like, um, the third chapters, I'm like, well, I'll still take it. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of things i change about Return of the Jedi, including the Oh, yeah, Ewoks. gosh. Yeah. I mean, if the Ewoks were necessary, keep them around, but I would really downplay them. I, they spent too much time with those toys they're just like going hey kids don't you want your own and i'm sitting there mm-hmm. in the theater going no yeah <laughs> i know just like we had phantom menace going hey guys don't you love jar jar no <laughs> less screen time please <laughs> which was i mean yeah, that was kind of cool that um on my best got to come back and, and actually that be was the guy awesome. who rescues yeah that was awesome Simply because even if you didn't know who that was, he's a cool character for like five minutes. You're like, damn, that Jedi, what a cool dude. Then when you find out if you didn't already know who that is, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's a present. Yeah. It's like, to and, him and to us. Yeah. yeah, his interview, they interviewed him. He's like going, I seriously debated it because he goes, I still love Star Wars, but it's a complicated relationship I have with it. And I was sitting there going like, can I handle it if they suddenly, if they don't like this character? Yeah, the people are still speculating that Jar Jar may appear because he he escapes Coruscant in a Nubian uh, Naboo ship. Yeah. So, you know what? I'll be okay if he doesn't. <laughs> I'll, I'll be okay if he does. You know, like I don't well, really. There, I'm not. I'm not afraid afraid of Jar Jar anymore. I'm, I'm <laughs> not afraid of him, and they I've certainly did on. all they could, especially also in the animated series. Of saying, like, look, he became a senator. Is he still mm-hmm. kind of an idiot? Yeah, but his heart's in the right place, and he's learning the ropes. Okay. Characters can grow, as long as he's not still getting his fucking tongue stuck in, you know, whatever fucking <laughs> yeah. turbines or something and going, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Hmm, George. <laughs> George, why didn't you have people around you to read that <laughs> script and go, hey, can we talk about a character that I don't think works at all. What a little, one little thing about the Ewoks and then we can, we can uh, put a bow on this, this episode, <laughs> uh, back when, uh, <laughs> one when, little thing about the Ewoks and then we can go on to real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Back when, uh, Star Wars galaxies was still a thing, which was the, yeah, the multiplayer I game never, that, uh, that preceded, never. um, the old Republic. One. Yeah. Um, which and I never played the RPG, and you could wander from planet to planet. Yeah, and Star Wars Galaxies was actually a very ambitious multiplayer game. Dwight and I used to play it, and we were actually in there in beta. Um, oh, this is, it was funny because Dwight was working as a video game reviewer at the time for the Houston Chronicle, and he was trying <laughs> to get into beta, and I got in before he did. <laughs> and it, so he got in because I had a. I think they gave me oh, one or two plus f- one. invites. So in beta, 
we we played the beta for about two months, I think, before it launched, and it, that, those are still my favorite memories of playing Star Wars Galaxies. Was was in beta when when like shit wasn't working, and it was like a really tight community of people. But one of the funnest things that happened during that period was when they rolled out uh, Endor as uh-huh. a playable planet, and so everybody went to Endor the night that they they put it up from the test servers for the first time, and you land in this little. It's like an imperial, small imperial base that you land in, and then you can go and venture out and, and explore the planet, which everybody was really excited to do. But people were nervous to go out on their own, so I got there and joined <laughs> this this uh, party. Like there was one, I remember it was a Zabrak character, uh, this the the race that uh, Darth Maul is. He was organizing this huge party of twenty people, and he, he we all he leads us out. We go and start exploring the the frontier of Endor. Then we run into like one Ewok, <laughs> and this one little Ewok laid waste to our entire party of twenty what? people. Just went around like a little demon, picking us off one but one at a time. And this was going on all over and all, singing all the yep, yep, this, at the same time. Yep, <laughs> all the yep. servers that were that were doing the test run of Endor had the same thing happen because the. the I think it was like Massively a deliberately overpowered them. They deliberately overpowered the Ewoks as a joke. I think, I don't know if I ever found this to be true, but I'm sure the devs were just watching this happen and going, <laughs> just laughing. And it was hilarious. It was, I was laughing watching it happen. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I wish I had taken screenshots of this, but, but it was, that was your Leroy Jenkins moment. Only it, it had nothing to do with uh, your own party's foolhardiness. It had to do with evil devs. <laughs> oh, evil devs. It was so great. Anyway, I assume eventually they powered them down. Yeah, they did. But they were still like, you had to be careful with those little buggers. And they, they were <laughs> pretty powerful. Why weren't they just your friends? <laughs> you didn't just run into them. They're like, hi, how you doing? Well, you know, they were like, you they were loved Leia right land. off the bat. You know, they liked playing with her helmet and just, it was adorable. She was hugging yeah, those little they things were, in the game. Anyway, even after they powered them down and made them a little bit more reasonable, they were, they were aggressive, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, these, this has been uh star Wars galaxies memories with Chad. <laughs> and uh, on that note, next week, what should we talk about? Uh well, hello tomorrow is wrapping up this week. Yep, that's right. So we could talk about that, and I guess I don't figure know. something out. Oh, I I had a theory about Jack Crusher. Oh, getting back to Picard, which we'll we'll get back to this later for sure. Um, I think we're going to skip the episode this week. You <laughs> you just over it? Yeah, you know, Picard's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a theory. Yeah, they stole they stole uh, Picard's body. Mm-hmm. What if the the villain is actually a, re- a resurrected Jean Luc Picard as Lucutus? Like, oh, he's the big bad. Oh, except for uh, there's been no mention of of Borg being involved in this at all. It's all changeling, right? But they, they were setting it up when Shaw. That was the big beef that Shaw has with uh. I think this is backstory. But it's a fun fan theory, and we don't know. No, even the cast doesn't know. <laughs> they were blindfolded but, and they were hypnotized after they finished filming. They're not sure what they filmed. <laughs> but it's kind of surprising <laughs> because a lot of people didn't have seen this entire season, and there's been very little leaks that I've heard. Who's, who's seen the entire season besides Robert Meyer? Saw the entire season. Oh man! Usually, like with press and stuff like that, they're like, "Here's the first four or something." Right? Yeah. For some reason, they they 
must have written a really, really tight uh, NDA for these people. Damn. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm good. I mean, I'm glad there are no leaks. I, yeah, I prefer not to have spoilers. But how how poetic would that be, though, to have the villain be, because he, he's something Scarred that has completely card. scarred him. Like, yeah, that he gets to defeat, sort of sort of reconcile that that part of his past that he feels ashamed of. It'd be cool. To actually defeat Locutus one-on-one. It'd be cool. <laughs> and it would be a big moment for Shaw himself, because his, his life was... He's he's sort of traumatized by what happened, yeah. During the events of that season, so and that would kind of make sense. It would be almost Dude, like a Darth I think Vader this father will thing. end up though. This does sound to me like it'll end up being fan fiction that you write for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Says a guy who can't judge because I'm sitting there going, "What if this guy met this guy and they went woo woo woo?" Was I was thinking about that? Too much of my time doing that. That that last episode that came out last week where it's revealed that Jack has these. Uh, telepathic powers mm-hmm. um but it made me wonder is like does he have like borgy things in his dna because of what happened to borgy his dad things. To where he can sort of create like uh sort of uh, just spontaneous collective connections with other human beings yeah i don't know i don't know man i think those are are finer crumbs that I mean, there's plenty to speculate on, but I think those are more highly speculative than what they're kind of aiming at. This, I think, will end up being an Occam's razor thing where it's like we can go into crazy, like, what if blah blah blah? And they're like, going, no, it just it, they just fight that changeling lady, and then everybody's happy. The end. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I know you thought at some point Kirk was gonna walk in and go, I've got this from here. yes uh it's like because every fan's got something they would kill to have happen on a show like this so wouldn't it be great if the gourd captain (laughs) from the arena shows up and he's like (laughs) and they're like absolutely you now are the captain of the titan and he's like cool and he's like a lizard (laughs) i love the gourd and i'm all about having a gourd but that's the thing is like we all have things we'd like to see happen we can only wait chad and we only have to wait a couple of days yeah i wish it was tonight though because i would I like know, to know i know you do. i know <laughs> you i think do. we are going to find out who jack is i think we're gonna find i out think what the story so is. because we are they, in the i mean the second chunk the second chunk we gotta we gotta wrap some stuff up. literally where that last episode ended was like and you are and you credits. are who are you yeah i can't wait so we're still nerds apparently Turns out after um, this is our 21st episode, Chad, we did not celebrate our 20 last last week. It's the 21st. Nope. And I, I all I can say is uh, we are still nerds. Yeah. OK. And on that note, <laughs> I'm getting lunch now. I think that sounds like a wonderful idea. OK. Bye, everybody. Write us letters. Bye.